Tax day is no longer in April. So breathe a little. Treasury Department announcing that you will not pay April 15th. Tax day will be moved to May 17th. You have an extra month to get it all done. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. 833, got Tony. 833-468-8669. I'm already done. I'm, I'm, I'm just good. All done, all finished. I'm not sure if this is the year that an extra month helps people. The IRS commissioner is saying that this continues to be a tough time for many people. And the IRS wants to continue to do everything possible to help taxpayers navigate the unusual circumstances related to the pandemic while also working on important tax administration responsibilities. I don't know if that involves, did you get a stimulus? Did you not? Do you claim it? Do you not? All those things. I I would give you tax advice, but you should never, ever, 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 ever take tax advice from me. Me giving tax advice sounds just like this. Yeah, don't do it. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. I forget if I say hello sometimes, so I just said it again. So your tax deadline has been pushed back, which may be very, very helpful. Not helpful is that Ford is going to move a new project to Mexico. They have informed... Um, or the UAW was informed that the Avon Lake Ford plant, which is in Northeast Ohio, is going to make a move in 2023 from Ohio to Mexico. The letter was dated Friday, March 12th. States that Ford is going back on its agreement to build the next generation vehicle at the Avon Lake plant. There are, amongst those who, who, who do the actual making of the cars, and again, Don't get on their case because they're union people. This is the worst thing people on the political right do. You don't even know when somebody's on your side. A man or a woman who works, uh, you know, and and has a job via the UAW, right, is part of the union. That is not endorsement of of what the union does. Union leadership, oh man, you do any, you say anything you want, you do anything you want, no problem at all. Rank and file, these are guys who build cars and take care of their family. They may not agree with with the politics going on out there. Don't be don't be silly. Right? Many of them you'll find. What, the whole idea of Reagan Democrats, where do you think they come from? This, this type of, of quote-unquote stereotypical worker, that's them. So in 2019, the UAW says Ford promised to invest $900 million in this new project at the Avon Lake plant. This was going to include complete revitalization of the facility. And they say, uh, we remain committed, says Ford to investing $6 billion in our U.S. plants and creating and retaining 8,500 jobs in America during this four-year UAW contract. We're invested in Ohio assembly plant and our dedicated workforce there. Since 2019, we have invested more than $185 million and created and retained more than 100 jobs at the Ohio assembly plant, uh, including actions planned for this year. It includes increasing our capacity, to build additional super duty trucks at the Ohio assembly plant to meet strong consumer demand. 
Sherrod Brown, Senator, wants Ford to honor its agreement. Let me ask you, Senator Brown, one of the more progressive members of, of the Senate, what have you done to help Ford make this, uh, make this work? What have you done to help Ford make this happen? I'm not accusing the senator. I am asking in in a, in a way that should remind him that when you allow for, when you endorse, when you engage in policies that treat employers as nothing more than paycheck signers, that you demand more and more of, and you insult more and more for their existence, Don't be surprised when they look the other way, when they go another way, when they do something else. I think one of the questions that should be asked here is whether or not there was a change in any level of U.S. policy in a world of Joe Biden that made Ford say, yeah, we can't continue down this road, whether that be a conversation regarding tariffs, whether that be a conversation regarding uh, employer responsibilities. What is that? This fight between the employer and the worker is, of course, the classic class struggle conversation, which is what makes Marxism and communism so remarkably appealing. It is, it is, this, um, it is this old school struggle as, as, as it's shared, right? It's the proletariat and the bourgeoisie. As said by Barack Obama, it was the 99% and the 1%. The 99% and the 1% was the same conversation of Karl Marx and the proletariat and the bourgeoisie. It was just said differently. That Barack Obama, he's so crafty. But we see you. We know where you got your training. Eyes on the prize. The problem within this conversation, in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a very, very large overview sense, is that the people who argue that the worker is the only thing that matters believe that the employer, the owner, exists solely and exclusively to provide jobs for the employee. I was, this was a decade ago. I don't know, Herman Cain wasn't running for president. We just happened to be in the same spot. We were actually speaking on the same stage, the late, great Herman Cain and I. And I did an interview with someone where, I, I got to admit, my interview style at that time was way too aggressive and just awful. Oh, I, l- I look back at my, my, my early days stuff and my, oh, oh God, I was, I, I was bad. I had flashes of, of what I could be, but dear Lord, whew, it, I was rough, rough around the edges. But there was a guy protesting Herman Cain. Now, Herman Cain, Godfather's Pizza right that's that's where he uh came came up from uh, uh amongst many other things and this guy was angry as can be angry as can be at Herman Cain for not paying enough and his belief was that Herman Cain's job when he was the CEO of Godfather's Pizza or the job of any CEO is to pay their employees. 
Their job is to create jobs for others so they can get paid. Now, anybody who is worth their salt as a CEO knows that that is not the job of the CEO. That is not the job of the company. The job of the company is not to create jobs for other people. The job of the company is to thrive and to build and to be self-sustaining. And sometimes that requires more people and sometimes that requires less people. But it is not, it does not exist just to provide jobs to anybody who wants one. It provides jobs to people who provide the skill set necessary to grow the enterprise, right? This isn't a conversation of how you should treat employees. This isn't a conversation about how you you build uh, concepts of loyalty and, and you create happiness, right? It, it, took, it took me a lot of years um, to, to understand that one of the things that, that I can do in, in, in my capacity to the extent that I, I hire people or work with people is what is it that you're trying to do? How can I help you get there? It means you might leave me, quote unquote, but that's not the story, right? The story is, is, is your life and how you get to the things you want. If I can help, I want to help. But Herman Cain's job was never to create jobs for somebody else just for the sake of it. That's not what anybody's job is. But this guy believed it. And he was protesting about it, that Herman Cain didn't pay his employees enough. No one forced those people to take the job. You know, I feel this way about, uh, you know, I, I've been known to have a cigar in my life. That's a true story there, Producer Ari. I know. People are like, really? Tony has had a cigar? Oh, yes. And you guys know I, I host a bourbon and cigar show called Eat, Drink, Smoke, which you can find at Apple Podcasts, eatdrinksmokeshow.com. You can subscribe. I'd appreciate it. Oh, it's going great. Going fantastic. I couldn't be more thrilled with what's happening, right? Well, uh, the the there, there there's a whole conversation about taxation on on the on the cigar world, and these these states they're they're okay. We need to bring in more revenue. And we'll, we'll 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 tax tobacco. Well, there it's the, it's the confusing of, of cigarettes and cigars. Where they're two totally different things, marketed different, in, engaged uh, differently. And you create a situation where you engage these taxes and you'll put these people right out of business. And then when they go out of business, you know what gets out of them? Oh, I guess they weren't good business people. You tax them out of business. That's what you do. Right? The business, if a business's job is just to open up, you know, just to provide jobs, then the business can't thrive. It can't exist. It's this total misunderstanding of what the business is there for. And that misunderstanding is purposeful because it is all about hate. The business owner shouldn't even have the right to exist. That's where you see this idea that companies should be owned by all the employees and decided on by all the employees. No, no, no. Businesses are owned by those people who put up the risk and then were able to build an opportunity for reward. When I get hired as a, as a host, right? I, 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 maybe I get paid. Maybe it's, it's a barter. And, and however, however you do that. But what my purpose is, right? I say, okay, here are the amount of dollars it takes to, for you to bring on my show. But within that is understood that the station wants to make those dollars plus X. 
of course they're making money on me. It's exactly what they're supposed to do. Otherwise, of what value am I really to them? No, no, you're wrong. We do a world-class show here. Oh, I put us up against anybody on the, on the globe. But if I'm hiring somebody, there is an output that has to happen greater than the dollar amounts I'm paying them because that's what creates the value. That's not insulting. That's the deal. If you have an output that is less than the dollar amount I am paying, there's no value. As a matter of fact, you hurt uh, the, the, you hurt the house. If you put out a value equal to the dollar amount I'm paying you, you actually also hurt the house. There has to be more value created through the labor. And some people think, well, that's oppressive. No, that's not oppressive. That's how it works. That's how you create wealth. That's how you create opportunity. And then you can look at the, at the value that you create and say to yourself, wait a second, I create a lot of value here. Maybe I can go get a little bit more so you can ask for a raise. And if you don't get it, you can go somewhere else because the skills you learned, you know the value and you can go out there and do it. So I go back to Senator Sherrod Brown, who I'm not angry with. I disagree with him on a great number of things. Can we ask the question about what has happened and what has been done to help Ford ensure their growth and they can then focus their dollars properly on those workers so they can then build the cars here in the U.S.? Because when you believe that Ford exists solely and exclusively to pay members of UAW, well, then um, you, you learn that uh, that's not the case and they may go somewhere else. No, I'm not happy about this. I don't want them building in th- this, this in Mexico. I want more of the investment here. I want more of the investment here. Well, what do we do about that? We want to talk about it as a, as a uh, national security issue that we're building cars in Mexico. Are you sure? What is it that you're willing to do? How do you make that work? Maybe you got to start looking at yourself, Senator Brown and others, before we start getting all super upset with Ford. Maybe we're going to learn that Ford is, is guilty of something here. But this hatred of the employer does nobody any good. I'm Tony Katz. Abigail Schreier testified today regarding the Equality Act. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Well, maybe yesterday. I take that back. She is the one who wrote Irreversible Damage, the transgender craze seducing our daughters. This is the book that got removed by Target because it wasn't, I don't know, totally in favor of transgender children. And the Equality Act certainly doesn't favor the idea uh, that girls and women in sports can compete against other girls and women in sports. Not at all. So she's speaking to Senator Dick Durbin and this committee discussing this bill, this Equality Act that was passed through the House with recklessness and what it really means. Much more. And no one who wrote it appears to have thoughtfully considered what it would mean for women and girls. Members of the committee... If your daughter or granddaughter was the top high school tennis player in her state, and then five biological boys suddenly decided at the age of 17 to identify as female, should she drop overnight to number six? 
Should she lose her college scholarship to a male-bodied athlete who would never have qualified on the boys' team? Does that strike any member of this committee as fair or just? If a woman in your state commits a crime, should she be put in a correctional facility with biological males, some of whom are sex offenders, some of whom may have only begun identifying as female weeks earlier, all of whom could easily overpower her? If a preschool has a policy that only female teachers may accompany little girls to the bathroom and your daughter's male teacher suddenly identifies as female, ought that teacher to have a legal entitlement to accompany her? Does that strike anyone in this room as safe or sensible? Should a female abuse survivor at a domestic violence shelter be forced to sleep and undress next to a biological male? The plain truth is that it is not sensible, not safe, and certainly not just to end these hard-won protections for women and girls in the name of equality. For some girls, athletics is the only chance they'll have to shine for the entire course of their lives. But supporters of this bill don't appear concerned about them. They are concerned about the progressive groups that will call you a transphobe or a homophobe if you don't do exactly as they say and abandon women and girls. By enshrining gender identity as a protected category, this bill would make it impossible ever to legally distinguish between a woman and a biological male who claims a female identity for whatever amount of time and for whatever reason or purpose. And gender identity can be very ephemeral. Even prominent gender therapists attest that people can be on a gender journey and identify as one thing one day and another the next. They have that freedom in America. Should we undermine women's sports and protective spaces to allow gender fluid males a gender journey? Just last week after the Washington Correctional Center for Women began housing prisoners according to gender identity, half a dozen men transferred into the women's prison. One of the inmates raped a female in the women's prison upon arrival. If you pass this bill, you can expect hundreds more. It is incredibly compelling testimony. And she's right. I side with women athletes and girl athletes across the country who want to be able to compete as they see fit. And I certainly oppose anything that encourages rape. John Kerry without a mask. People are getting worked up as all get out. I don't think it's worth it. To be honest, Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Be sure to get the podcast, TonyKatz.com. John Kerry is flying first class. Commercial. Who knew he would do such a thing? Oh, how the mighty have fallen. He is stooped so low. Oh, wait, wait, he's the climate envoy for Joe Biden, and he can't be seen on a private plane. Okay. Okay, now I get it. Now it makes perfect sense. So that's why he's flying, you know, commercial people. He's John Kerry, former Secretary of State, former Senator from Massachusetts, the guy who married somebody richer than him, and he was already doing okay. The Heinz family. So he's on a plane. He's doing some serious, serious work. Hmm, look at me. And he's not wearing a mask. And someone took a picture. Right? I don't think you should take a picture of somebody when they're not wearing a mask. I think that, like, that's the end of times. 
right? People are pointing at this and saying, hey, don't get mad at the guy. He's so used to flying private, he doesn't understand what it's like to be around the, 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 the little people like, like us, the unwashed masses. I mean, maybe that's true. I think the bigger story here is we're looking for people to do something wrong so we can, you know, we can, we can, we can grab them and we can uh, be like, ha-ha, look at you, and expose them, and oh, you're not wearing a mask. I have no interest in living in that society at all. It's a, ter- it's a terrible society. It's just awful. Who could ever want it? Hey, let's, let's try and catch our neighbor in the act of doing something, anything wrong. You know, because politically, it'll be super cool. Come on. Can't live like that. I am not making the argument that we should cut uh, John Kerry slack. I think John Kerry's terrible. He doesn't have to be terrible. He chooses to be terrible. But I don't want to live a life, and I don't want to endorse anybody living a life where it's like, yeah, you know what you do? You keep an eye on him. You keep an eye on him. You keep an eye on him. You keep watching him. Keep watching everything they do every single day, every moment of every day. And then, and then when they screw up, when they make a mistake, ah, that's when you strike. You strike like a cobra is is how you do it. And that's how you get him. And then, oh, you're going to embarrass him so good. Nothing changes. He's still, uh, you know, a pseudo-intellectual about the environment. He's still the elitist snob he always was. You didn't win anything. You don't get a free puppy. You didn't lose weight. There's no more money in your bank account. Nothing. That's the point. I don't mind exposing hypocrisy. I mind if we like, at any moment of any day, we could like, oh, look, they did one thing wrong. If he took off his mask because he was taking a sip of something, and then he was just reading something before he put the mask back on, that's, sorry, not the end of days. Oh, but they would throw you off a plane for it. Okay, now I know where you're at. We've seen people thrown off planes for not wearing a mask, but it's, seems to be, it seems to be that wasn't the case here. If he's going to talk the talk, the administration's going to be this way, he has to wear a mask all the time. Okay. But, oh, that's John Kerry. Let me keep an eye on him to see if he screwed up so I can take a photo. That's creepy, man. That's that. That's just creepy. Not as creepy as the CDC now saying that you can keep kids three feet apart and it's it's fine. Certainly not as creepy as the idea of a vaccine passport, which is the creepiest thing ever. After having to keep a, uh, a vaccine passport, you might as well teach everybody to march in unison and speak German. It's nuts. And by the way, that's a World War One reference. See what I did there? That's, that's pretty good if you ask me. Let's start with the CDC. Their uh, chief, right, Rochelle Walensky, Rochelle Walensky, telling lawmakers a recent report found that a three feet distance between people and the use of masks was sufficient to keep schools safe. This is remarkably convenient remarkably convenient. Just so we're clear, the idea that now that we can, we're, we're 
putting pressure on getting kids back into schools. Well, we can change the guidelines and then it's all fine. Wow. How many people now believe that's the six foot uh, uh, differentiation, right? Yeah, six feet, that's the social distancing. How many people believe that's a load of crap? Oh, I can see your hands already. That's what it's saying. Well, we got to get kids back in school, so we'll just change a guideline here, and therefore everybody, everything will be fine. It very much looks like you were lying through your teeth, that you're doing this solely and exclusively just to be able to uh, save some face. But it's nothing compared to vaccine passports, a subject that got discussed, and I actually thought it got dropped because it needs to get dropped. The vaccine passport is the idea of how do you prove that you have been vaccinated? Airlines have wanted vaccine passports or proof of vaccine so you can get on a plane. And until airlines get proof of gonorrhea, I'm not listening to them. Because I will tell you right now on a plane, if I have the choice of things that frighten me, it's gonorrhea over COVID. Just <laughs> look, look, uh, I'm clean, but I know there are some I, I know there's some movies out there that that show you what happened. I don't want that in my life. I'm not saying I want COVID. I'm saying I got vaccines and I got and I got therapeutics. I feel safer. I mean, exactly how many things do you want us to know about? It's a vaccine ID. This is asking, are your papers in order? Now, if you say to me, Tony, they do this in the other countries. Yes, they do this in China. You know where else where they do this? Israel. Israel just passed legislation that says it's okay to take people who are returning from abroad and put an ankle monitor on them to ensure they've been isolating at home for two weeks or that they've been quarantined in a hotel. Am I a fan of Israel? You bet I am. Are they right? Of course they're not. It's insane. But I'm an American. And I think about things as an American. So when you tell me about passports and, and, and vaccine passports, I say to you, no, I am not here to show you my papers. Well, Tony, you carry an ID. Uh, it, well, first of all, you, I'm glad you didn't say driver's license because I don't have to have a driver's license. Yes, I have an ID because it's okay for the airline to ask who I am and to prove it. The only place it seems you don't need an ID in America is when you vote. You need an ID to get on a plane, but you don't need an ID to vote. I guarantee you, you can hurt more people with the vote than you can on an airplane. And I know exactly, I understand the reference, people. I meant it. That's how seriously I take voter ID rules. And that's how seriously I think we as a nation should take them to ensure as little voter fraud as possible. Everyone should have the right to vote. Everyone should have one person, one vote. And then you should have to show an ID. The people who are like, oh, that's racist. It's racist to ask for an ID. If you want to tell people who are of a different skin color that they're not smart enough to get an ID, go right ahead. Just let me watch. I just want to watch you tell them they're not smart enough to get an ID so I can watch them hit you in the face and then I can turn to producer Ari and say, that guy just got punched in the face. That's hilarious. Who's next? Of course, there's a massive privacy issue here. 
of course, there's a massive uh, uh, right invasion issue here. You don't carry a passport to prove you've gotten anything. I don't have to prove it. I'm not anti-vax. I'm just not here to share with you this is what's happened. You don't need to know. You don't need to know. Do I think people should get the vaccine? I think if people are comfortable with it, they should get it. I'm not one of these people who are like, oh, this vaccine is so, oh, you should, you can't trust that. No, 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 no. I have never said such a thing. I do not believe such a thing. I believe you absolutely can trust the vaccine. Without question, you can trust the vaccine. That some things have happened with it, some things happen with vaccines. And I won't be surprised if there are changes made to it as we go on down the line. But no, I, 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 I no trust issues in, in, for, for me in, in that I, I, I think that they've proven that there's serious efficacy here. And yes, there are some side effects here. I, I, I would make the reference that that happens a lot. But if people don't want to get the vaccine, I don't, I'm not going to force them. I'm not in the forcing business. And you sure as heck don't have to show your papers to get on a plane. Well, Tony, you don't have to fly. Wait a second. This is absolutely me being um, left out, held aside. What's the word that I'm looking for here? Oh, it'll come to me. For not following what you think is the rule. I'm being prevented from having the opportunity to travel because of your unconstitutional view of the world. So don't tell me, well, it's the airline that can do what they want. No, they can't. There are rules. And no rule should say that I don't have the right to my property and my privacy. And no rule should say I have to have my papers in order. The airline ain't that damn special. I'm Tony Katz. Tomorrow, I'm going to break down the story of Alexi McCammond, who after two weeks is out as the editor of Teen Vogue because of tweets she had from when she was just in college as a teenager, making fun of her Asian teaching assistant, Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, Alexi McCammond, who was dating the former deputy press secretary to Joe Biden, TJ Ducklow. Before he was, uh, or, you know, he, he was fired, basically. Actually, he wasn't fired. He was allowed to resign for threatening a reporter for commenting on his relationship with Alexi McCammond, who was a reporter. And then she got this job uh, to edit Teen Vogue. And then they found the tweets, which were already known about. Oh, cancel culture. Look who it comes for. Look how this works. There's so much to this story. I'll break it all down. Uh, tomorrow for you but time for a little bit of a throwback this was the presidential debates oh sorry about that the democrats having their debate and the question was jorge ramos of univision asking a question to joe biden biden as a presidential candidate 
in 2008, you supported the border wall saying, unlike most Democrats, I voted for 700 miles of fence. This is what you said. Then you served as vice president in an administration that deported three million people, the most ever in U.S. history. Did you do anything to prevent those deportations? I mean, you've been asked this question before and refused to answer, so let me try once again. Are, are you prepared to say tonight that you and President Obama made a mistake about deportations? Why should Latinos trust you? So that's Jorge Ramos being uh, as pompous and egomaniacal as ever. You deported three million people in the Obama te- uh, administration, and you, you you bragged about building a, a fence. Why should Latinos trust you? Well, can we ask about who got deported, whether or not they were in the country illegally? Jorge Ramos is making the claim that you can't deport anybody because it proves that you're a racist. Well, of course, he's, he's wrong about that. But check out then-candidate Biden's answer. And... Ask yourself how it applies to the border situation right now. What Latinos should look at is comparing this president to the president we have is outrageous, number one. We didn't lock people up in cages. We didn't separate families. We didn't do all of those things, number one. Number two, number two, by the time this is the president who came along with the DACA program. No one had ever done that before. This is the president who sent a legislation to the desk saying he wants to find a pathway for the 11 million undocumented in the United States of America. This is the president who's done a great deal. So I'm proud to have served with him. What I would do as president is several more things because things have changed. I would, in fact, make sure that there is we immediately surge to the border. All those people are seeking asylum. Did he just say they should surge to the border, all those people who are seeking asylum? I would, in fact, make sure that there is, we immediately surge to the border, all those people are seeking asylum. They deserve to be heard. That's who we are. But who we are is not to lie about who's seeking asylum, which is happening at the border all the time. People being trained through these quote-unquote legal groups about how to make their claim for asylum, lying. The the difference between a refugee, an asylum seeker, and a migrant is I can't go back, they'll kill me, and I can't go back, I can't find a good job. I mean, you just have to accept the fact that there's a difference. But Joe Biden wants people to surge to the border. Now, you can make the argument if you choose that he's talking about refugees. But you can't make that argument without recognizing that people at the border are being trained to call themselves refugees and make those claims and therefore overload the system. They are gaming the system. What kind of person doesn't recognize this honestly? Well, somebody who works in the Biden administration, obviously. I mean, this is just just the way it is. It's ugly what's happening and getting worse all the time. And Jen Psaki can't stop blaming Donald Trump no matter what she does. You know, one of the biggest criticisms of the Trump administration's Remain in Mexico policy was that it overwhelmed all these border towns in Mexico and created pretty dangerous living conditions for these migrants. And so now you have the exact same thing happening. Even though you all have reversed, rescinded that policy, these border towns are overwhelmed and the president is saying, do not come. So how is the situation on the ground in Mexico any different? 
Well, the situation on the ground is certainly challenging in part because we inherited a dismantled system that wasn't prepared for uh, processing asylum requests. No, it was honest about what was an asylum request and what wasn't. I think that's more like it. That's the White House Press Secretary, Jen Psaki. It's all Trump's fault. All Trump's fault. We're just trying to help people. You've created the crisis, and now you won't even admit to it. I mean, that's what you've done, Biden administration. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. And find the podcast at TonyKatz.com.